Welcome to the Mind Body Musings Podcast, the show for everyone and anyone that is ready to break free from the dogmatic chains of the health and fitness industry and create their own life free from restrictions. Now, introducing your host, Madeline Moon, a former fitness model gone sane and the author of the popular self-love book, The Perfection Myth. If you dig the show and you're looking for more insight on how to stop food and exercise from controlling your life, check out her website, maddiemoon.com, and grab your free guide. If you're ready to end dieting once and for all, it's time you learn how to pursue real health instead. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Moon, and today we're going to be talking about a very important topic in regards to the message of this show, one that I think needs a little bit more clearing up, a little more explanation, and a little more in-depth attention. Um, So today we're going to be talking about orthorexia and all the things that I want you to understand about orthorexia to help you um, support loved ones and friends and families that may be suffering from this, but also yourself, because you may not fully understand what orthorexia means, if you have it or not, Um, but I think it's one that um, it it just deserves more uh, attention because I'm starting to realize that people, when they think of eating disorders, they think of anorexia and they think of bulimia. And people don't uh, roll their eyes to that. When they hear someone has one of those two things, it's taken very seriously. But when it comes to orthorexia, oftentimes people may roll their eyes to that or not understand because they think people are just taking it to the extreme. It's kind of a silly disorder. It's not really a real disorder. Um, It doesn't really change. It might not change your weight. So there's really no reason to take it that seriously. But just because your weight isn't changing because it just because it's not a visible disorder, because it's not that well known compared to the other ones, it's equally as serious and it's actually on the rise right now. And it's getting a lot of more attention and traction. And I recently wrote an article on this very topic on Mind Body Green and the comments that people were um putting out there on this article were kind of surprising. I was a little bit, um, I I wanted to be defensive. I wanted to, you know, stand my ground and say, you know what, this is why I'm saying this. Why aren't you even trying to relate and understand orthorexia? Because people were pretty much just typing out the first thought that came to their mind. Literally, I think there was no filter on these comments because people were saying, oh, okay, so now healthy eating is a disorder. This is ridiculous. I saw some comments say, I'm leaving Mind Body Green. I'm unfollowing them because this is so silly. And I don't think that I got to explain as much as I wanted to. And I stand by that article. I'm actually writing a second one, um, a part two to that, to explain orthorexia more. So keep your eyes out on that if you follow Mind Body Green. Um, but this podcast is all about that. And I want to also include a little bit of a pop quiz so that you know if you're suffering from one or any of the side effects from orthorexia and um, tell you the things that I wish people knew about it. But before we go into that, I want to do the review of the week. And that goes to um, five stars. Love the honesty from Ella Hugs. 
Authentic and honest dialogue. Love what Maddie is bringing to the table here. Helpful for anyone struggling with mindset, body issues, food obsession, etc. Keep it up, Maddie. Thank you so much. That means a great deal to me. Um, I want to be able to provide all those things in this episode. So hopefully I'm going to be doing just that. And the next thing that I want to introduce is something new that I've added, a new kind of feature of the podcast, a new element for people that enjoy the show. Um, enjoy listening to it and want to support me because as you guys know I am 23 years old and I am doing this full-time this is my job so my podcast what a lot of people may or may not understand is that um, about like anywhere from five to six hours can go into an episode even more sometimes and I have several interviews a week Um, I have to do editing I have to do the actual like planning of the interview, listening to materials from each guest so that I know good questions to ask them, reading their books, getting my equipment set up, making sure I'm in the perfect um, area to do a podcast episode, timing, cancellations, rescheduling, and then doing the interview, keeping the conversation going, making sure that I'm engaging. But then afterwards, I do putting it together and editing and figuring out what kind of intro I want to do before and then the review of the week and then um sending it out to all the right people and then the social media stuff. So a lot of stuff does go into making this podcast. And I've thought for a while that I would like to have a sponsor for the show. But what I want to try first to see if this works well at all is to give you the opportunity to donate a dollar. I mean, a dollar, two dollars, three dollars per episode and in supporting the show. So it's a really easy way if you do enjoy the stuff that I'm putting on here, if you appreciate the content I'm putting out and you want to support me and the show and, you know, doing all these all these things for you guys and putting so much free content out there, um, then you can go to maddiemoon.com slash pledge and then you'll see what you get from, you know, the different price levels that you can donate. Um, so the dollar one is you get a shout out on the podcast. And I actually got my very first patron and her name is Jennifer Smith and her website is bagelstobroccoli.com. So I just wanted to give her a shout out and say thank you so much, Jennifer Smith, for um, donating a dollar to the podcast because I really appreciate that. And if anyone else wants to join her, I will appreciate that so much. And if you do have a website, this is almost free advertising, which is a great way to get your name and your blog out to thousands of people. So thank you, Jen Smith, and um, I'm really excited about setting up this Patreon account. So go check it out, see what the different price levels um, give you as a reward, because some of them are really awesome, some of them are um, lots of rewards, and you know, the $1 ones, it's still good, and, and more than that, you know that you're supporting my show, and you're helping me and keeping these going every single week. They're my babies. I love them. It's a little bit difficult to like spring this on you all the way at episode 58 because I've been doing it for so long. I mean, but that's fine. Whether or not you donate to the podcast, I love you. I appreciate you. And I'm grateful for everything that you've done for me. And that's why I keep doing this. So let's get to the topic of today's show, orthorexia. So for those of you that don't know, which I'm sure you do if you've been listening to this for a while, but orthorexia is when you're pretty much obsessed with healthy eating. It can come in different shapes and different sizes and forms and um, levels on the spectrum of serious and not so serious. But regardless, this is a obsession. So it's more of a disease of the mind. 
um, it definitely does correlate to your body, but it starts in the mind, it feeds in the mind, and there are deeper issues that are rooted in the obsession, like feeling like you have to control, fear of fat, fear of weight gain, fear of losing a loved one, rejection. Um, It can even stem from much bigger issues from childhood, like having a parent with a alcohol disorder or, you know, um, alcoholism or sexual abuse as a kid, you know, or as an adult, you know, focusing on these things brings that instant relief, being able to focus on food and focus on, um, clean eating or controlling or healthy food or vegan or vegetarianism, uh, paleo, Atkins, whatever it may be, if it's not serving a purpose for you and you're just doing it out of fear, not out of love, then that could be considered orthorexia. So my pop quiz, I wrote out a long list of questions and I just want you to sit and think about if your answer to any of these are yes or no. And I'm not saying that if you say yes to one of them, then you have orthorexia. That's not what I'm saying at all. And if, if you're enjoying your lifestyle, you don't have orthorexia. Like you really, it's not something you thoroughly just sit back, relax, enjoy it, you know, dive into it, wake up every day with the pleasure of knowing you get to have, um, an obsession take over your life. So if you're losing weight and you're happy and you're enjoying your lifestyle, don't automatically think that you have orthorexia if you do any of these things. If you think you may have it, feel free to dive into my website a little more on the blogs and see if anything relates to you because a lot of the topics on my blog are about this. Um, And if you are confirming your suspicion, feel free to reach out to me. Um, my new email is hello at maddiemoon.com. So you can say hi, let me know what you're thinking. Um, and I'll be happy to serve you as best as I can. But in the meantime, here are the questions that I came up with that I think, uh, really relate to orthorexics and what we go through. And, um, yeah, here we go. So, um, first one, I'm just going to like list them off actually, cause I don't have a number. I don't know what numbers they are. So, um, the first one I've written out, can you eat food without weighing or measuring it first? Do you log all of your food into a calorie counting app because you have to, if you want to eat something, do you get anxiety when somebody else cooks your food? Do you read nutrition articles or fitness articles obsessively trying to validate or, um, reaffirm what you believe, what you want to believe, what you so badly want to follow? Do you keep reading articles that kind of support that theory? Um, Do you have other obsessive behaviors around your body, such as exercise or ritualistic beauty routines? Do you have guidelines for what's considered a real workout or a healthy meal plan? And real and healthy are in quotation marks. Do you have a meal plan? Do you feel shame and guilt when you get off said meal plan? Do you think about food and possibly exercise all day long? Do you have to earn your food? Are you afraid of relationships because they may distract you from your food? Do you have a good day if you ate good and a bad day if you ate bad? Do you have a list of good and bad foods? Um, Do you try to make up for unexpected calories by spending more time at the gym? Do you think carbs are better than fat or vice versa? Do you crave to see food as food instead of a dictator for your mood? And I think, hey, that rhymed. Um, I think that's a really good point, the very last one. Asking yourself if you actually desire to see food differently because if that is a yes 
it's very more than likely that you're experiencing some type of disordered eating because if you're not, you would just go about your day-to-day life not realizing that you're having these thoughts. There wouldn't be a problem. There would be nothing tugging at your heartstrings. There'd be no desire to seek satisfaction elsewhere in life because your satisfaction uh, scales are pretty balanced or they're on their way. But if deep in your heart you're thinking like, I really, really, really wish that food could just be food. Like I wish I could be like that other girl I know that can eat food, go on dates, have fun. And it's not hard. It's not difficult for her. Like I'm so, I just am so curious how she does it. How does she eat a meal without going to the gym right afterwards? Or how does she not bring up her meal plan to all of her friends when they go out to eat? How does she think about other things? If you're asking yourself that often or even every once in a while, then it could be leaning towards the um, orthorexic mindset or some type of disordered eating. Um, And then if the answer is yes, or if you think that these things relate to a loved one, keep listening. Um, Regardless, I think that this is useful information for everyone in our world because I've been reading some pretty crazy statistics about how many people suffer from some sort of disordered eating. It's it's like one out of every 40 or one out of 60 women um, suffer in America from some type of disordered eating. I think it's one out of 60, actually. So yeah, let's stick with that one. Um, so if you have it, or if you have someone that you think has it, there are a few things that I want to point out the things that I wish people understood about orthorexia. And this is coming directly from the article I wrote on Mind Body Green. So you can go read more about them, but I'm hoping to give a pretty good in-depth explanation on this podcast about these things. But the first thing that I wish people understood about orthorexia and that I want people with orthorexia to understand about themselves is that it's about a desire to feel safe. So for you, when you hear someone say healthy, you know, and they're talking about Greek yogurt that has fruit in it, you know, to you, you might think, oh my God, like that has 16 grams of sugar. There's no way that's healthy. So being healthy and eating healthy has your own specific set of guidelines that you have created and constructed from your past experiences, from things you've read, from commentary from other people, from someone who once upon a time said, oh my God, that has so much sugar. You heard them in the grocery store not even a friend. And then ever since that day, 20 years ago or five years ago, you associate Greek yogurt with fruit inside as bad. So you just like lock that in your memory. You live by that rule. And that is your version of health. Anything that does not have 16 grams of sugar. Whereas to someone else who's just entering the world of nutrition might think, oh, Greek yogurt, protein, that must be so good for you. I'm going to eat that instead of having a Pop-Tart for breakfast. So they think they're doing good. But for someone with orthorexia, they have their own set of guidelines, their own set of rules to follow. So what I want other people to understand is that, you know, healthy is a very confusing term, not just for people that have orthorexia, but pretty much for everyone. I mean, what like, what is that? What is healthy? It's so difficult to understand it these days. And that's why so many arguments happen on the internet. But that's also why so many people get started on new health kicks, new diets, because their definitions of health are evolving and they're following what other people are saying instead of their own intuition. 
So going back to the point that I said, it's a desire to feel safe. You want to stay within your guidelines, within your rules that you've constructed in your own mind, because that's something you can control. You can't control the sexual abuse you had as a kid. You can't control that your dad was an alcoholic. You can't control that um, you went bankrupt. You can't control all these things that happen in life that you can't control. And it was triggered off by that. You need to feel safe somehow. And you just so happen to have found a solution or your your body found a solution for you that was instant. It was a distraction. It was a coping mechanism. It was a way to feel safe. So hearing other people talking about this is healthy, this is healthy, it could be a trigger for you. So whether you are someone that has this or someone that you, if you know someone that has this, beware about what you talk about with your guidelines and your own rules because you may be affecting somebody else. The next one is it's not a choice. So one of the things on that article that I wrote for Mind Body Green, people were kind of acting like this was the stupidest thing ever. And I don't think I went into enough detail on the ins and outs of orthorexia. So I want to clear up the part about it's not a choice. People that have this, that develop this obsession, don't decide, I'm going to have an obsession now. I'm going to let it take over my every thought. I'm going to take away the amount of time I spend with my family and friends. I'm going to substitute my obsession, my need to control with all the fun aspects of life because that's what sounds good today. That doesn't happen. That's not a thought that pops up in your head. That's not really an option. It just happens because when things happen in life, you want to find that coping mechanism. For people that are, you know, really intuitive about this and could catch it before it happened, they found other coping mechanisms that they worked really, really, really hard to make more um, compulsive and instinctive than their disordered eating. They decided, you know what, reading the Bible or reading this book or going for a walk or playing with my kittens, that's more fun and that's more fulfilling than controlling my food. So I'm going to go that way. But for other people, controlling your food is so easy and it's just so satisfactory that you just cling to that and you don't really realize that you're doing that because it happens pretty quickly and you can get lost in that satisfying you know, gratification that you get from that. Um, and it becomes not a choice. It's something that just happens. Your body just compulsively wants to lean that way. So if you know someone that's experiencing this, you can't say to them, oh, just like eat the burger, like just eat the burger. It's not a big deal because you don't know the anxiety that they're experiencing before eating it, during eating it and after eating it. That causes digestive issues that causes, um, tears that causes like anxiety during sleep. You know, it's all these things can happen. So you have to start slowly and you can't talk to someone as if they can turn it off because that's a little bit, um, it just, it makes that person feel a little more alone. Like they don't, they feel a little more disconnected from the person they're talking to and just from the rest of the world because they're already thinking, I wish I could see food, like something I could just eat for fun. So when you act like it's not a big deal, oh, you know, just eat the burger, like have the ice cream, go on a date. Why don't you? Life's too short. As amazing as those things are and like how truthful they are, it might not make sense depending on where the person is in their stage. Um, The third thing is it's not always visible. So what I mean by this is that you may be admiring somebody else's disordered eating slash eating disorder without even being aware of it. That's the most dangerous thing about orthorexia. You you don't really walk around wearing it and it's disguised as health and admirable admirable and discipline and um people crave that people who don't 
have quote discipline want that so they see someone that has an obsession with healthy eating they don't see the obsession part they just see wow discipline willpower self-control i want that i want that i want that and then they verbalize it to the person that's suffering from it and say you know how do you do it and then that's an instant dose of dopamine going into the person's system with orthorexia because they're like oh admiration someone likes what i'm doing weight loss equals success you know control equals people wanting to be like me i like this i want more of it that is a dangerous place to be. So that that's probably one of the biggest reasons why I think orthorexia is such a dangerous disorder and disease is because it, it's not like everyone is saying, like with anorexia, it's, it's kind of like people want to help you because they can either see it or that it's just very visible that what they're doing is not, quote, healthy. But orthorexia can very easily look healthy. It looks like someone is dedicated to their well-being, Um, their yogi status, their green juices, their vitality and youth and um, their glow. But in reality, that that person's mindset is twisted and going down the drain and they're scared and they feel alone. And all they have is people surrounding them telling them good job. So whenever you notice someone is taking measures to improve their well-being, why? Is it because they're losing weight? Yes. Don't comment on that. If it's because they're talking about how much better they're sleeping, how much better, like improved their sex life is, how happier they are, then that is something that you can dig in deeper and say, oh, well, that's great. How are you doing that? And if they have a very well-rounded lifestyle that is obviously making them flourish and you can tell when someone is defensive and they're talking, well, I do this because I have blah, 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 blah. And like, I have to do this. They're scared. You're going to break in and see the fear that's going on, you know, beneath their skin. That is very obvious. Be careful when someone does that. And if you're noticing that you're getting very defensive when people ask you questions like about your health status and how you're going about being healthy, you could be on the verge of orthorexia. You know, it's something just to think about. I'm not saying you have it, but it might be something important to consider that if you're being defensive, there's probably a reason why you're being defensive. Maybe it's not like your ideal lifestyle and it's something you you should work on balancing out. Um, So the next one is commentary often does more harm than good. And this is in regards to food and exercise, um, even lifestyle commentary. This kind of ties into what I was just saying. Um, But when you make comments on people's food choices, whether good or bad, like, wow, that's impressive. You're so good. You're eating such a delicious looking salad. I wish I was more like you. Er, Like you're probably making them think, well, yeah, I'm self-righteous. I'm eating so good. I need to keep this up forever because I love the way this dopamine feels. It feels so good. But on the other side, if you say something like, wow, I can't believe you're eating that. You always eat so healthy. That is extremely damaging because then the person gets thrown into shame. And shame, as we all know, is such a huge trigger and it makes you take a step back. If you were making any improvements at all, it puts you back into a cycle of like regret, guilt. Um, I'm going to do better next time. Finding your self-worth by improving whatever you were doing. So if you're making a comment on, wow, don't look at my food. You're a nutritionist or you eat so clean. Don't look at my food. You know, that person's kind of like feeling awkward because they probably want to be eating that pizza too, but now they can't because they have the status of being the health person in the group. So any kind of commentary, especially weight, especially, oh my gosh, making comments on people's weight, no matter what, is not, um, is not a very, it's not a good idea at all. And I I highly suggest you don't do it, especially if you know someone is recovering from an eating disorder, don't tell them that they look healthy because they're probably not ready for that. 
And this may be a big surprise for you because you might think, well, being healthy is a compliment. This is how the brain works. Thinking, you know, when you're so used to clinging to thinness and you hear someone say, wow, you're recovering, like you look so healthy to, to them in their mind, that means you've gained weight. And though you mean that as a compliment, that still could trigger them in their mind and make them, oh no, I don't want to lose that label of being the thin yogi. I don't want to lose that. Oh no, they said I, I, I'm visibly losing it and they might want to go back to it. So don't, even if you're trying to compliment them, be very wary of who you're doing it to, how you say it, um, how often you say it. And my, my recommendation is just don't make comments on people's weight or size at all, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, don't. If you're a family member, there are much better ways to go about it. There are ways you can, you know, take them to someone, get counseling, ask questions. I cannot stress enough how helpful questions are instead of saying, here's my observation. You look like this. Instead, you can ask a question like, how do you feel? And if you think you have orthorexia, it's good to ask yourself, how do I feel honestly, truthfully, and dive deeper into that. You may at first want to say, I feel great. I feel great. I feel great. But you might not really. And you know that further deep down and you might just need some help figuring that out so any kind of commentary eh, no just stay away from commentary um the next point is it doesn't just go away orthorexia just doesn't disappear one day you don't wake out of bed and then oh you know i feel fine it's something you've trained your brain to think it's i've trained my brain to think that greek yogurt with fruit inside of it is bad so it's hard to break down those limiting beliefs and in regards to limiting beliefs, there's so many more that you could. Like, I can't get worth in life by simply being. I have to get worth through my size. I have to get worth through my shape. That is how I get worth. And that's a story you've been carrying around for you for a really long time. To actively disengage from the story that you have been carrying on your shoulders for years takes a lot of in-depth um, reflection and I don't want to say work necessarily, but yeah, it does require putting in some work, doing the work, um, creating a new story for yourself. And that takes action steps. That takes putting things in your life that make you feel better than your eating disorder ever made you feel. So it doesn't just go away. You can't imagine that your daughter is just going to wake up tomorrow after listening to this podcast and feel better. It takes the time. It takes the work. It takes patience, practice, and a lot of reflection. The last thing is orthorexia, um, obsessions, these kind of, these kind of disorders often breed other obsessions and, um, addictions or disorders in a way. So generally for the people listening to the show, I would assume that one of them could be exercise. And if you're obsessing over, um, controlling your food intake, you're probably obsessing over when you work out, how you work out. You have guidelines for your food, you have rules for your food, but you also have rules and guidelines for your workouts. This is what's considered a real workout. And your goal is always a workout. It's not movement. It's not enjoying an hour of walking around and listening to a podcast. It has a structure and it makes you feel safe. So for some people, this could be writing down in your planner. Okay, at noon, I'm going to go do back and buys. And for back and buys, here are the five exercises I'm going to do. And this is how many reps I'm going to do. And if you miss those reps, then you feel guilty, you feel shameful. So you have to go back and do them or um, whatever it may be, but you have it down to a T. So you have this in your planner, you do it. And if you don't mark it off your calendar, then it might not feel like it was actually done. So you have to go back and you have to put a line through it. Maybe you put your clothes out for your, the gym the night before because if you don't put your clothes out, you have like this anxiety built up if you don't have your gym clothes sitting out 
on your dresser waiting, ready to go. If you don't have those laying out like you do every single night, then you won't feel like you did the ritualistic thing you always do. So your life is going to feel unorderly, unexpected, unsafe. So those are some really big warning signs to take a look at if you have any of those kind of ritualistic habits, even in regards to exercise. But also outside of that, maybe you have a beauty routine that you cling to. You have to do it. Um, if you don't do it, then you don't feel like your worth is up or your self-esteem goes really low for the day. Your self-image is really, really low. Um, obsessions can go pretty far and wide. I had, as a child, I had some pretty um, OCD behaviors. And I don't know exactly within the past 58 episodes if I've, if I've talked about this, but um, this will probably be good for parents to just keep an eye out. So I'm going to go ahead and share it. If I already shared it, hopefully you don't mind hearing again. But I had some pretty obsessive compulsive behaviors as a kid. Like I would have to go around um, locking every door in the house every single night, you know, every during the day or at nighttime, I'd have to go and tighten the, um, faucets. Like I'd have to loosen, tighten, loosen, tighten. Like (laughs) that's pretty OCD. And these are things that have recently kind of come to me in the past couple years. I'm just realizing like, why did I do that? Huh? As I get more invested into this field of eating disorders, I'm realizing more and more why this happens, how my eating disorder became such a great coping mechanism for me because of these other compulsive disorders. I loved control. Um, I never got clinically diagnosed, but looking back, I think I have enough information and memories to know that something kind of weird was going on. Um, but there are other things like even outlets on the wall. I would in my mind, couldn't like, okay, so an outlet is like at the ground, right? It's like very close to the floor. Well, as a kid, I would pretend like there was a line coming out from the outlet extending to the other side of the wall. So I could never walk through it. I would have to pretend like this invisible line was coming out of the outlet towards the other side of the wall. And if I would walk through it, I'd trip. So I had to pretend like that I had to walk over it. And I was really obsessive about this. I would always walk over the outlets. And this happened for probably a year, just walking over the outlets. And if I walked through the outlet, walked past it, um, I would just feel really, uh, I don't know what the word is. I, I wouldn't say shame or guilt, but I felt really uneasy. I felt on edge. Um, I didn't do what I, my story told me that I needed to do when I come across these things in my brain bank. I remember when you come across these little funny looking white things on the wall, you walk over it, you pretend like you can't walk through it. And as I got older, obviously dieting was the perfect match for me because it had rules. Um, I could do it on my own. No one really needed to know. And that is why orthorexia is so dangerous. No one really needs to know. Um, And the admiration just helped to keep it going for so long. And I'm not going to say that I didn't dabble in other things. I definitely did. I I had other um, eating disorder signs. I never did it long term, but I had other ones that I definitely engaged in throughout high school and I've never fully come out and talked about that and neither am I going to quite yet so that because I'm still not positive of even my own memories as crazy as that sounds Um, but all I know is that this one is closer to my heart because I know a lot of people are suffering from orthorexia and I think it's 
unfortunately just getting bigger and bigger and everyone to some degree is starting to not everyone but a lot of people to some degree are starting to experience some kind of disordered behavior with food and that's no surprise considering fat shaming thin privilege um the weight loss industry, the fitness industry, healthy eating, all these things are just like huge, huge sources for cultivating these kind of disorders. So I hope that this podcast has been helpful for you. If you want further help with this and this podcast really resonated with you, then feel free to go to my website, maddiemoon.com slash BF. That stands for body freedom because my course, Body Freedom, is very much centered around these kind of um, behaviors more like orthorexia and just how the control is taking over your life and how you can break free from it and create that body freedom, that body respect, that food freedom you're so, so desiring. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and you think that someone that you love would really resonate with it, email this to someone. This is maddiemoon.com slash mbm58 and you can just send them the link to this podcast episode, ask them to listen to it, subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, you can listen to it there, and leave a review and tell me what you thought about it. Um, and more so, more more resources, uh, you can go to my website, maddiemoon.com, and sign up for my free book, 10 Proven Steps for Ending Any Diet Obsessions. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I can't wait till next week. We have another awesome guest on the podcast, and I'll see you later, guys. Thank you.